front. Um, and I believe that mic, whoops, uh, that, that mic is on for you. If not, then hold this one or whatever. Thank you. Okay, so my name is Leslie Woods. Um, Dave and I have been coming to St. Paul's regularly for about 15 months. We're here temporarily, but as time has gone on for much longer than we anticipated, it's become increasingly clear what a significant and special period this part of our lives has turned out to be. So I'll give you a little bit of background on us. Uh, Dave and I grew up going to Whetstone Baptist Church in Leicestershire. I was sent to Sunday school along with other children who lived nearby from about the age of four. And similarly, Dave was taken to Sunday school uh, with his sister and brother by the family who lived next door to them. Uh, as Dave's a little older than me, uh, our paths didn't really cross until we both attended uh, the weekly youth meeting at the church as teenagers. And we were then married in 1982. Um, the Reverend Mike Elkham was our pastor at the time and he and his wife Caroline were instrumental in both of us becoming Christians. Mike and Caroline moved away in a, probably about 1986 and served in several churches before retiring to Whitnash in Leamington uh, in recent years. And so it's been really lovely for us to be able to reconnect with them. After being married for three years, we had our first daughter and then we moved to Stony Stanton near Hinckley in Leicestershire when she was about 18 months old. And life moved on and our second daughter, Harriet, was born. Uh, we settled into a very happy family life with our wider family not far away and a wonderful community of families in our close and in the village in general. And I was privileged to be a stay-at-home mum while Dave worked as a research chemist at what was Courtaults in Coventry. When the girls were settled at school, I began to work in the church office at Whetstone, primar primarily as minister's secretary. I was very happy working there, and little did I know I was gaining some experience of what it takes to run a church and how a minister operates and copes with life a bit. Um, seven years on, Dave felt God's call to ministry, uh, though it was another two years having received uh, confirmation of this call in several ways uh, before he began his training. On completion of three years of training, the Lord graciously encouraged Dunchurch Baptist Church to call Dave as their minister, where we were to stay for 14 years until our retirement 18 months ago. So we thought it would be sensible uh, to use the first three months of retirement as a kind of sabbatical, resting and looking to the Lord for guidance for the future. Seven weeks into that time, which seemed a long time, <laughs> after we'd retired at the time. Um, and the morning after a family holiday, uh, our daughters are now both married, and one lives in Leeds and one in Leicestershire, and we have three grandchildren. Anyway, the morning we got back from this holiday, I was lying in bed, feeling rather despondent. Where should we live? And having the choice of settling anywhere, where on earth would we choose? And I've also felt that we'd done what the Lord had required of us, but now what? So one of us said, let's see what the Bible reading is for today. Um, and it was the story of Legion, the man from whom Jesus cast out demons into pigs. And now the last part of it, now, thankfully, the, the reading ended 
further on. Um, and the last part of that reading jumped out at us. When Legion begged Jesus to let him go with him, but Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. So we thought we had a clear plan to put our house on the market at the end of our sabbatical period and return to Leicestershire. We did that, the house went on the market in late July 2022, and we're still here living in Dunchurch. So moving on to our time at St. Paul's. The very first time I came to St. Paul's was about 15 years ago, and we hadn't been in Dunchurch for very long. And there I was in my 40s as a first-time minister's wife, feeling a bit lost, when one of the ladies from Dunchurch Baptist invited me along to a women's meeting on a Monday evening in Leamington. I was quite wary and assumed it would be just a few women. Um, but of course, it turned out to be streams in the desert, which is held here. Um, I'd only been here a few minutes when I had that, this is just for me feeling. A group of us from Dunchurch Baptist co continued to come to streams in the desert until the pandemic hit. And we found it really helpful and if you've never been to Streams, do listen out for them being, the meetings being advertised. I think it usually runs about five times a year. I have to say, I've not been since we've been attending St. Paul's, um, just because of life, really. Um, during our time in Dunchurch, Dave and I had developed the habit and need to set aside a short time each week on a Monday morning to read the Bible, chat through the reading, and the week ahead, and to pray. And we continue to do that something that could easily have been squashed out if we'd had to move quickly into a new, new lifestyle. So after that first three months of sabbatical, when we visited various churches on Sundays, we realized that even if we sold our house quickly, the move itself was going to take some time. And on one Sunday morning, we were heading to a church in Warwick when we were held up by roadworks. And I particularly didn't want to walk into the, into the service after it had started. So I was quickly looking online at which other churches were near enough to arrive at in time for the service. And that's when we came to St. Paul's. It wasn't our first time together, as we'd been a few times previously on our Sundays off. Well, we loved the service, and one of the most wonderful things to us as visitors was the welcome uh, by everyone we met, so thank you. Uh, the other thing I valued and continue to find so helpful is the way it's so easy to worship at St. Paul's. There's no wondering what's happening next, as it's made so clear from the front. Uh, we've particularly enjoyed meeting new people and hearing their stories, even in the short time we had together for chatting after or during services. To have found a church in which to worship that suits us so well is such a blessing, especially as we knew we couldn't get too involved. Jonathan G., the vicar, recognized that we needed to rest and find our way into retirement, and as such, encouraged us and made us feel very welcome. I have to say, it's been at times difficult not to leap in and respond to requests for help in the church, but living a distance from the church and trying to see more of our family than we had previously been able to, and things just getting in the way would help me to know that it wasn't right to serve that early on. It's been interesting to find that when there have been opportunities to attend meetings or to join in with social opportunities, that something has often got in the way. And I wonder whether this is a way of God not allowing uh, my roots to go too deep here. 
Anyway, time went on, and we welcomed many strangers into our house, an average of one couple a week who were looking to buy one, but we had no offers. So during the summer, Jonathan had said that perhaps it was time to get together to talk with us and to pray. So we arranged to meet with him and Juliet at their house on the 29th of August. It was on that very morning that an offer came in for our house and we accepted it, which I guess changed our conversation somewhat with Juliet and Jonathan. Anyway, we still knew it was going to be some time before we actually moved house. And by then, we were really ready to roll up our sleeves and get involved in serving somehow. And talking to Jonathan, um, he'd previously thinking about that before the conversation came along. And he suggested that maybe Alpha would be a good thing for us to be involved with. So that's what's happened. And serving with, with such a passionate team has been a real blessing. We'd run several Alpha courses at Dunchurch Baptist, sometimes in our own house and sometimes at church, but we'd always headed them up ourselves. And it's been just great being part of a team, maybe easing us into this next chapter of our lives. But the cherry on the icing on the top of the Alpha cake came on last Saturday at the Alpha Away Day. It was well organized at a great venue and there was a great atmosphere. And towards the end of the day, those who had been leading and helping with each group of guests offered to pray with them. And as there's only one lady in our group, I naturally went to pray with her. And we saw the Holy Spirit at work in a lovely, gentle way in her. And then she asked, could she share something with me? Well, what a blessing that turned out to be, and something I will treasure forever. Though I didn't know it, what she said and prayed was something I'd been needing to hear for a long time. So thank you, Lord, for that. As I've said before, each person I've spoken to has been so welcoming. Thank you all for being so lovely. It takes me a while to be brave enough to join in with things, and coming to Oasis has been no exception. And I was talking to Liz Lewis one Sunday morning, uh, explaining our situation about trying to sell our house, when she said, you need to speak to Gillian. So thank you, Liz, <laughs> because I think it was you who told me about Oasis. And thank you to Gillian for sharing this journey with me as someone who knows exactly what it means to wait when it comes to acquiring a new home. At the first time I came to Oasis, I was so relieved to see Julia on the door, who I'd met in church when she was welcome, well, doing the welcome on, uh, for Oasis, as she does, I realize, most weeks now. Um, so thank you, that meant a lot. Uh, and just like Sundays at St. Paul's and Streams in the Desert previously and Alpha, Oasis has given me that this is for me feeling. God is so good. So. The latest update on our move is that we found a house to go to and we hope to move in January. We'll see. Um, I hope my story has encouraged you in some way. Keep praying in your waiting. The Lord will guide and he will bless. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. That was amazing. That was so, so encouraging. And the only thing I can add to it is I'm really sad that you're going to be going. It seems such a shame, but there you are. Thank you very much, Leslie. And now we're going to welcome Naomi. As I said, she was going to speak after Leslie. 
And thank you so much for that, uh, Naomi. Are you okay yeah. with it being switched on? I think I'm, am I switched yep. on? Yeah, I yes. think you are. Um, cool. Just a reminder before we start, so that I don't then, you know, let us forget anything that's been said as we go into our groups. We will go straight into our groups afterwards, and we're back normal this week. Uh, but could we do the same thing with the chairs, please, as Paul Giles still isn't back afterwards? Thank you. Morning, everyone. I think we should start, well, a couple of weeks ago I was thinking about this talk and um, I was feeling like, am I going to be able to fit it in? How am I going to manage it? And um, we were on our way up the M6 to visit my father-in-law and I, was, I mentioned it to my prayer quad um, on the WhatsApp. Sorry, my sort myself out. Um, and, and one of them said, God's equipping you. And then I realized I had this book with me and I started to read it. So it's, the, um, it's Francine Rivers. It's The Lineage of Grace. And um, it's an amazing book about the lives of the five women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk about them a little bit. So let's just start with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your promise to teach and lead us, and particularly me. I believe you are guiding me right now and everyone else, and I praise you for the fact that your loving eye is upon us. I'm not lost in your sight. And None of us are, and, I th and we thank you for that. Lord, please help us to submit to your guidance today. Help me to follow you and obey you no matter what you desire me to do. Help me to only go where you want me to go, to only say what you want me to say, and to only do what you want me to do in all things. I pray that for this talk now and for all of us. Thank you, Abba Father. I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. I've taken that from um, the Bible app has got a, a praying five prayers for guidance, which has been useful. It's a five-day thing. There's a devotional, and then there's some verses that go with it. So, uh, so that's quite a useful little thing there. Um, Okay, so moving on to the lineage of grace. So in Matthew 1, verses 1 to 18, there is the genealogy of Jesus. And what's remarkable is that there are five women that are mentioned in that genealogy. A lot of men, but just five women. And of those, we've got... The first one, which is Tamar, is the mother of Perez and Sarah, wife of Judah. Now, Judah was one of Joseph's brothers, as in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Then there's Rahab, is the mother of Boaz, the wife of Salmon. 
Ruth is the mother of Obed, the wife of Boaz. And then Bathsheba is not mentioned by name in some Bibles, but she is referenced as the mother of Solomon. And Mary is the mother of Jesus, the wife of Joseph. So, so far, each woman is talked about in the book. So far, I've managed to read, fully read two, which is Tamar and Rahab, and I'm started on Ruth's journey. So I thought I would just talk about what I've learned so far. So what struck me is that these first three women are not Jewish. They're not part of the tribes of Israel. And yet God includes them into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Each woman is guided by God and becomes part of the genealogy of Jesus. Francine Rivers brings to life what they could have been thinking, the thoughts that might have been running through their heads for these young girls who had to deal with three very different circumstances. So Rahab was known as a prostitute in the account in Joshua, or possibly an innkeeper, and she protects the two spies that were sent into Jericho by Joshua. So what made her to decide to help the spies? Presumably, she was guided by God as she protected and encouraged the two spies with knowledge about the state of mind of the people in the city of Jericho. And she explained how to escape certain death so that the spies could get back out of the city. So Rahab acknowledges the God of Israel. Let's read through the story from Joshua 2, verses 8 to 14. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, We will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. It's quite remarkable the way she she talks to them and talks about their God. It, It wasn't anything to do with, you know, that city. That city did not follow the one and only God. They had lots of their own gods. So, you know, that information must have, you know, come through from like traders and travelers, and, um, and people heard about the amazing thing that, that God had done, that he had and enabled them to cross the Red Sea. They actually, 
Um, following that, as the story goes on, when the, um, when the Israelites come over to take over Jer Jericho, they have to cross the River Jordan as well, and the same thing happens. So God makes it dry and enables them to walk across. So <clears throat> it's not surprising, really, that they were a bit terrified. But, um, so Rahab's courage and faithfulness is rewarded by God. She and her family are protected and she becomes a member of the people of Israel. Everybody else in Jericho dies, and it's just her and her family. So what made her do it? Why did she decide to honor God and not the gods of her upbringing as a Canaanite? God must have revealed himself to her and helped her to devise the plan. He must have guided her. As he also helped Tamar with her difficult situation, she must have talked to God and prayed and waited for guidance. You'll have to go back and find that story. In the same way, we can do that too. Many of us may find that we never hear God speak to us clearly, while others receive words or pictures. If we don't receive words or pictures, that doesn't mean God isn't guiding us. It could be that he guides you through the words or pictures that have been given to somebody else and they, they tell you, or through experiences and through reading the Bible. One of my friend's siblings died of a cot death 60 years ago, and this led to her parents helping and ministering to other families who went through the same loss of a child. And then another friend Someone else I know felt a physical jolt in her stomach when she heard about a particular job. She applied and got the role and helped to transform the way that workplace ran. With praying for guidance, the key is praying and reading the Bible and being encouraged by the stories and particular verses within. The walls of Jericho fell for the people of Israel because they followed exactly the directions that God told Joshua. There are many verses in the Bible about guidance. We're going to look at five now. James 1, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There's a bit more, I think, isn't there? But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So you've got to focus. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 23, verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Psalm 32, verses 8 to 10, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, 
but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. And Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, that's just a few. There's, there's many, many verses that I could have chosen. But, you know, pray for God to help and talk to him continually. I've, um, many of you are probably aware that Matthew Perry has died recently. Um, Chandler from Friends. And he wrote this last year, and, um, and I, I've read it. And the reason I read it was because Pete Gregg read it and um, posted on Twitter that there were a couple of mentions of God in, in it. So I thought I would just read to you a little passage. So bearing in mind that he, he, he took a lot of drugs over his life. I frantically began to pray with the desperation of a drowning man. The last time I'd prayed, right before I'd gotten friends, I'd managed only to strike a Faustian bargain with a God who had simply drawn a long breath and bided his time. Here I was. He, he, he prayed to be famous. Here I was, more than a decade later, chancing my praying arm once again. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. As I prayed, the little wave in the air transformed into a small golden light. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. It was like I was standing on the sun. I had stepped on the surface of the sun. What was happening? And why was I starting to feel better? And why was I not terrified? The light engendered a feeling more perfect than the most perfect quantity of drugs I had ever taken. Feeling euphoric now, I did get scared and tried to shake it off, but there was no shaking this off. It was way, way bigger than me. My only choice was to surrender to it, which was not hard because it felt so good. The euphoria had begun at the top of my head and slowly seeped down throughout my entire body. I must have sat here, sat there for five, six, seven minutes, filled with it. My blood hadn't been replaced with warm honey, I was warm honey. And for the first time in my life, I was in the presence of love and acceptance and filled with an overwhelming feeling that everything was going to be okay. I knew now that my prayer had been answered. I was in the presence of God. Bill Wilson, who created Alcoholics Anonymous, was saved by a lightning bolt through the window experience where he felt he was meeting God. This was mine. But feeling this good was terrifying. He then goes on to say, but quickly I returned to the truth of the golden light. When I am sober, I can still see it. Remember what it did for me. Some might write it off as a near-death experience, but I was there and it was God. And when I am connected, God shows me that it was real. Little hints like when the sunlight hits the ocean and turns it into that beautiful golden color. Or the reflection of sunlight on the green leaves of a tree. 
or when I see the light return to someone's eyes when they come out of the darkness into sobriety. And I feel it when I help someone get sober, the way it hits my heart when they say thank you, because they don't know yet that I should really be thanking them. God is everywhere. You just have to clear your channel or you'll miss it. So that's quite an amazing story from him. And then my final suggestion is, um, I found this very useful for guiding Sarah Young's Jesus Calling. There's a page per day through the year, and, um, and you can just like, read it every, every day and just keep reading. It doesn't matter, like the following year, you'll never remember what it said in January the 1st. It just can keep going and going. So yesterday, this is what she put. Let me infuse my peace into your innermost being as you sit quietly in the light of my presence. So she always does it from God's perspective, speaks from God's perspective. So as you sit quietly in the light of my presence, you can sense peace growing within you. This is not something that you accomplish through self-discipline and willpower. It is opening yourself to receive my blessing. In this age of independence, people find it hard to acknowledge their neediness. However, I have taken you along a path that has highlighted your need for me, placing you in situations where your strengths were irrelevant and your weaknesses were glaringly evident. Through the aridity of those desert marches, I have drawn you closer and closer to myself. You have discovered flowers of peace blossoming in the most desolate places. You have learned to thank me for hard times and difficult journeys, trusting that through them I accomplish my best work. You have realized that needing me is the key to knowing me intimately, which is the gift above all gifts. There we go. That's all I can say. You know, I, I don't have massive experience about being guided by God, but we're all on, on our own journeys, and I hopefully that has helped in some way. Thank you. Thank you so much.